when so much of the feedback I've had, like I've had amazing people from feedback, you know, someone who said, you know, my dad died of cancer and I never understood it. And I just thought the doctors didn't treat them properly. But, you know, now I understand why the chemotherapy didn't work or, you know, stuff about I've been depressed and I've never talked to a doctor about it. But you've encouraged me to, you know, get a mental health plan. Like amazing, mm. you know, really powerful. But you do, those trolls do stick out a little bit. So you get a tough skin. Mm. And I realised because half of my page is like my running and fitness, which is, you know, to be honest, a bigger part of my life than medicine, which might sound crazy, but that's, you know, what gives me a lot of joy. And then the other half is medical stuff. And, you know, I used to feel worried about, you know, wanting to please everyone. And now I've just realised, you know, some people are going to find their running and stuff a bit annoying, like, oh, shut up about your 20K run. <laughs> um, but I just can't please everyone. And that's something I've learned. I think there are good lessons to take into life in general. Welcome to Junior Doctors Corner, the podcast that helps medical students and junior doctors like yourself not only survive but thrive in your careers. We cover topics including doctor well-being, career, and life outside of medicine. My name is Dana and I am your host for this podcast. Are you ready for a healthy dose of support, motivation, and inspiration? Then let's start this episode stat. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Junior Doctors Corner. Today we have Dr. Izzy Smith on the show with us and I've felt very honoured to have her. She's one of the most genuine people I've ever met on social media and I promise you, you will absolutely enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Hi Izzy, thank you so much for joining me on Junior Doctors Corner. Oh, you're so welcome, Dana. I'm excited to talk about lots of interesting things. So for those of our listeners who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you in person or over social media, which, I mean, hello, where have they been? Uh, Please tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you for that very kind introduction, Dana. That makes my cheeks blush. Um, So my name is Izzy. I am a general medicine advanced trainee um, in Sydney. I'm originally from Tasmania. I was never someone that, you know, grew up saying they wanted to be a doctor. I was always just someone that was really sporty and surprised my family and myself more than anyone by getting quite good results in grade 12 and just flukedly, um, you know, did the UMAT, got in, and here I am, you know, 12 years later. What else about me? I, you know, yeah, I got into medicine as well. I actually had some health problems myself with my kidneys. I had post-trip nephritis which is, you know, quite rare. And, yeah, so I saw lots of, um, you know, doctors myself and unfortunately now have chronic kidney disease, but that was quite an insight for me into what it's like being the patient but also seeing some of the healthcare system and how amazing medicine is and that was, you know, a big inspiration for me to do medicine and probably also why I went down a physician pathway. Um, I'm doing, yes, as I said, general medicine at the moment, but I'm, I'm hoping to do endocrinology as well. Um, and that's because I've got such a big passion for kind of like lifestyle medicine. I hate the term lifestyle medicine, but I don't know what else to say, you know, preventative health through lifestyle measures, which I think medicine could do a lot better. Mm. I also am very passionate about um, mental health. And I think a lot of conditions in um, endocrinology, like diabetes, it really involves, um, you know, patients are going to have better outcomes if they've got better mental health and better relationships with their doctor. So that's a bit about why I'm doing endocrinology. Also, I'm a mad 
exercise nut. I love all things sport. I love the community and, you know, connectedness that sport brings. I'm addicted to endorphins. I've got a, you know, family history of mental illness. And, you know, if it wasn't for running and sport, I'd probably need to take antidepressants. And, yeah, I guess I'm really passionate about encouraging people to look at exercise as, you know, something for our long and short-term health, not something we do to, you know, get a six-pack or burn off last night's mm-hmm. pizza or glass of wine. So in addition to being a physician and also a sports person, you've got this very strong social media presence, in particular on Instagram, to help promote health and well-being among the general public and, you know, tackling medical myths and also helping out a lot of doctors in the process. Can I ask what made you decide to take on social media? Like why that particular platform and why do you do what do you do there? So I guess, um, firstly, I didn't expect that Instagram to go, you know, so well um, when I first started it. My main inspiration was, I guess, a few things. One is I don't come from a medical family and most of my friends are non-medical. So I really saw, you know, the difficulties in navigating the medical system. One of my very close friends, his mum actually had breast cancer. And I saw how hard it was for him with, you know, well-meaning but bad advice from all these different sources, you know, friends saying, oh, I heard about this, you know, miracle treatment for brain cancer. Maybe that could help your mum. And, you know, just realising in a way so much health literacy that I take for granted that, you know, people realise that breast cancer is completely different to brain cancer. The general public don't know. And, you know, I also saw my own family go through similar things with, you know, health problems. So I guess I had a bit of an insight into that there needs to be better health education and health literacy. And I think often doctors might not be that good at explaining things. And I think that is why maybe people are then turning towards, you know, naturopaths and all this pseudoscience rubbish because those people are really good at explaining stuff and they're really good at communicating and, you know, making things sound magic. So I guess that was one thing. It was, you know, busting pseudoscience, helping people understand normal, you know, normal, like what's a stroke? What's a heart attack? What actually is cancer? I was really passionate about exercise and running. So part of my social media is more just me, you know, with my running and exercise. You know, I'm an ambassador for Men's Health Charity November and I don't think enough was being, I think there's actually been a bit of a change in the last 18 months since I started my page. There's more awareness about men's health. But I also thought that was a real, you know, a gap in the market that men's health wasn't talked about much. Well, it's really great that not only do you do what you do in hospitals, but you've then gone on and put in the time and energy to help the wider community, not just your immediate patients. That was definitely another reason why I think I wanted to make this Instagram because I almost at times can find medicine a little bit frustrating, especially I've gone down an you know, internal medicine pathway. I never get to fix people, you know. I treat someone's heart failure exacerbation or COPD exacerbation. You know, that's really important work. But at times I felt like I wasn't really making much of a difference, which I know I am to that individual person's life, you know, you know, essentially saving lives. But I really wanted to have a bigger reach and be able to feel like I was doing more. I guess I'm also by nature quite a creative person. And I have found that a bit of a struggle in medicine that there really isn't any room for creativity. So, yeah, so that's, you know, another reason why I got into it as well. And, you know, it does take up a lot of time, 
like you said, but I do enjoy it. Can you please share with us how you built your account to where it is today? Like, were there any challenges or obstacles along the way? Was it something that you had planned or just, you know, I think you did mention that it might have just happened that way? Yeah, like um, I guess it did happen pretty organically. I think it was at the start of 2019, January, I was about to finish up my BPT year. And, you know, knew I was about to take a year to locum, so I was going to have more time. And it had been something on the back of my mind for a while. You know, at the start it was mainly just, you know, friends and family. And then it mainly grew because, you know, some quite big accounts, you know, saw posts that I would do and then they would share those posts and then I would get more people following me. And I've definitely got a lot better at it since I started. Like I look back at some of my old posts and I'm like, oh, gosh, your writing's not very good. God, way too many emojis. Calm down, Izzy. Don't need that many emojis. But, uh, yeah, I guess I've realised, and, you know, talking about topical stuff because, you know, and then they're like the media can be so difficult. So, so much of a lot of my really popular posts have been almost, you know, explaining or debunking something that happens in the media you know, there was this big celery juice fad. I think that's when my page first started growing because, you know, a very popular doctor in the UK, jo- Dr. Josh Olwich, I can't say his last name. I don't know if you know of him, but anyway, he's got like hundreds of thousands of followers. And I did a post explaining the difference between association versus causation. So, you know, it's things like that. That's mm-hmm. uh, And, you know, and I've realised that there's a few areas that people are just desperate for information like women's health stuff and fertility. And like one of my best girlfriends has bad endometriosis and she's had three surgeries. And, you know, a lot of what I've been doing is really popular is being, you know, teaching people about how the pill works. I mean, women, there's all these myths about contraception and fertility. So, yeah, so I guess talking about popular current issues, mm-hmm. uh, debunking myths and, you know, people are desperate just for conversations about mental health as well. And I guess this comes back to what you were saying earlier. You know, not all of us doctors are really good at communicating and clearly there is this health literacy gap that we need to fill and, and, you know, people do want the information. They just don't know where to look most of the time. And they come across your account and see that you are a qualified doctor, then your information's going to be a lot more reliable than just a random Wikipedia page written by... (laughs) Wikipedia is normally pretty good. It's, you know, your health coaches that are like, you know, bloody yoga teacher and are telling people that, you know, this supplement will boost your immune system. Please. (laughs) Like my favourite is when you see something that says this will lower inflammation and boost your immune system. I'm like, do they not realise it's a total oxymoron that makes no sense at all? (laughs) But, um, and it's interesting you said about doctors not being good communicators. Sometimes I think most doctors could be uh, good communicators. Sometimes I think it's doctors, you know, not wanting to put the time in or not thinking patients will understand. And like I said, I come from a non-medical family and I've seen, you know, my family members pay like heaps of money for specialists or be in hospital really sick and just no one's taking the time to explain things. Mm. And that really upsets me because modern medicine itself is so amazing. But sometimes I think, you know, it gets let down by us letting down our patients. So you mentioned some of the posts that you write up to, you know, debunk a lot of myths and explain things to patients. And I've read a lot of your posts and they're often quite detailed. And as you said, it does take a lot of time to 
produce and plan these posts. Can you just talk us through a little bit more about the process? Like, do you end up having to look up things, research things before you write all this out? You know, what do you do? Yeah. Like I don't plan posts, I'll be honest. It's more just like something pops into my mind. I'm like, oh, that would be a good idea. You know, and I do look stuff up and I always often try and have studies. So I'll put up a few pictures and, you know, I'll have app results of studies. So, you know, I did one a while ago that was, does the oral contraceptive pill impact your long-term fertility? So, you know, I had a little look. I saw that there had been a review of like 22 different other studies. You know, I put that conclusion in my posts. Mm-hmm. You know, that stuff takes a little bit of time. But I, like I said, I've got better at it and it's actually often doesn't take me that much time now. Maybe, you know, some only will take me half an hour or even less, like 20 minutes. But, you know, and I've learned over time that there's apps you can use that, like, you can cut down to make things fit into pictures, all of that. But, you know, some posts as well, it's something that I want to learn, so I will spend a bit more time going into it, you know, looking into the health impacts of soy milk. I am almost vegan, you know, I make for ethical reasons, not health issues. Um but, you know, I really looked into soy because, you know, that was something I was interested in. I'm not going to spend, you know, I'm, there's only 24 hours in a day. Mm. I'm not going to spend hours and hours on something. Yep. If it's, you know, like, and that's why I don't do posts on anything pediatric related or dermatology. You know, it's just not my specialty and it would take me so long to work it out that I'm like, yep. someone else can do this better. I'll just find a dermatologist and share their post. Yep. That sounds like a really good idea. So once you started your social media, especially your Instagram account and got it going, what was the response from, you know, your immediate doctor circle or community? Were they supportive about this or were they very discouraging of your outside of work endeavours? It's a really interesting question and it doesn't really have a straight answer. I think there's been a, a very mixed response, generally quite positive. Definitely some raised, you know, eyebrows and a little bit of judgment of why do you think you're that special that you need to go out and do something different or, you know, I had or I bumped into a guy I went to uni with that randomly in a cafe and he was like, oh, Isabel, you know, I hear that you've decided to be an Instagram influencer these days. I was like, oh, seems like you're still a bit of an arsehole that you were like in medical school. Just, you know, and even like I joke around with my work colleague, Simon, you might have seen me talk about him on my page, when my work husband, like he often kind of is a little bit judgmental and will, you know, judge me for the way I do my posts saying that, you know, they're too complex or they're too simplified or. So I think there's a little bit of judgment for people that haven't done anything similar and maybe don't understand that it is quite a lot of effort and work. I don't really like my colleagues following me because I think part of why my page has been quite successful is that I express some vulnerability and I try and be quite authentic. I'm letting people know about maybe some struggles I'm facing or problems that I've got. And, you know, I don't really want my colleague to know I see a psychologist for anxiety, Um, but that's something I'm prepared to share with my page. At work, I'm Isabel. And that's, you know, purposeful because I don't want people to come across any of the Dr. Izzy stuff. And maybe as I get a little bit more confident, and I might come across as a really confident person, but I do actually, you know, struggle a lot with worrying about what people think of me and wanting to be accepted and liked, which I think we all do. Mm-hmm. And maybe as I get more confident that way, I will not be, you know, as shy about people from work um, seeing the page. But in saying all of this, I've had some beautiful messages from doctors saying, thank you so much for what you're doing. I think you do a really good job. 
And those ones in particular really mean a lot for me because when I started the page, you know, I didn't have any doubt in my medical knowledge. I was actually mainly worried about judgment from peers. Mm. So it's been, I guess, a mixed response. But yeah, so generally good, but, you know, definitely not all smooth sailing either. Well, I certainly think that you are doing a wonderful job and a really positive influence in the social media space amongst doctors. So please keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. It, it's I get a lot out of it and I wouldn't do it if it wasn't that I enjoyed it. And, you know, it might lead to some other opportunities. But at the end of the day, it really is, you know, relatively altruistic because essentially it's free work. So I would say that to other people as well, you know, be prepared that you're going to put a lot of effort into it and, you know, you might not think you're getting that much from it, but just know any one person that you help, that's a real a real achievement. Do you have any advice for junior doctors who are interested in building their social media presence? Were there any medical legal issues to be, you know, that you came across or for them to be aware of? Um, I guess firstly, just general advice is comparison is the thief of joy and it's also the thief of accomplishment. I can fall into this trap and I'm pretty hard on myself, you know. You think, oh, you know, when I had 50 followers, I was like, oh, imagine if I had 500. Then you get to 500, you're like, oh, imagine if I had 2,000. And now I'm at like, you know, over 10,000. I'm like, oh, I want to be at 50, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's like if you can change one person's life and, and, you know, give them a certain advice that is really useful, like you don't know the flow and effect of that. Mm. So one, I think, you know, changing a few people's lives is a really big achievement. Mm. Two, you know, it's kind of look at it as a hobby. You know, it's not going to help your normal medical career in any way, really. Like, you know, I feel like it's actually detracted from my career because it meant, you know, I spent less time doing research and other, you know, tick box things we need for our CV. Mm. Even though I'll, I think all the Instagram stuff and other media stuff I've done has definitely made me a better doctor. Like I'm much better at looking into research now, realising how nuanced, you know, especially nutrition stuff is. You know, like my, my knowledge of evidence in so many different topics is so much better now because I, as a doctor, you know, have such a high standard that I'm not going to put something up unless I know it's 100% true. Some people, you know, you'll get trolled, you know, or sometimes I don't think people mean to be rude, mm. but I've had other doctors, you know, no, hello, how are you? Just say, I don't think you explain that very well in this post or something. And that's classic keyboard warriors, like mm. say stuff you'd never normally say. And I've had, you know, grumpy dickhead middle-aged men from like the other side of the country say nasty comments because I put up a selfie, like, you know, who are you self-promoting? Go, you know, be an actual doctor. Just like shit like that. And it can just get you down a little bit. Oh. But that's rare. We, I don't think about that's the stuff that was sticking in my mind when so much of the feedback I've had. Like I've had amazing people from feedback. You know, someone who said, you know, my dad died of cancer and I never understood it. And I just thought the doctors didn't treat them properly. But, you know, now I understand why the chemotherapy didn't work or, you know, stuff about, I've been depressed and I've never talked to a doctor about it. You've encouraged me to, you know, get a mental health plan. Like amazing, you know, really powerful. But you do, those trolls do stick out a little bit. So you get a tough skin. Mm. And I realised, because half of my page is like my running and fitness, which is, you know, to be honest, a bigger part of my life than medicine, which might sound crazy, but that's, you know, what gives me a lot of joy. And then the other half is medical stuff. 
And, you know, I used to feel worried about, you know, wanting to please everyone. And now I've just realized, you know, some people are going to find their running and fitness stuff a bit annoying, like, oh, shut up about your 20K run. <laughs> um, um, but I just can't please everyone. And that's something I've learned. I think there are good lessons to take into life in general. You know, don't say stupid stuff. You can't advertise any TGA products. Obviously, patient confidentiality is completely paramount. So many funny stories I'd like to say, which, you know, you just can't because it could somehow be traced back. And And I try not to really talk about where I work. Like I've specifically not detailed which actual hospital I work at as well. Some people might have picked it up, but I haven't, you know, put it. Yeah, made it very clear so that to the general public it might not be very obvious at all where you work. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for all that advice. Now, final question. I know you're very passionate about well-being. Uh, given that you're a very busy person juggling multiple things, can you please name one or two things that's keeping you sane your crazy busy life? Hmm. Uber Eats, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd love to talk a bit more just about men, like well-being. And like, I'd love to hear more about why you decided. So I'm so passionate about junior doctor well-being and... I wish I had listened to a podcast like this when I was a resident or an intern. Can you tell me a bit more about why you made this podcast? Oh, this is interesting. You, the roles have reversed. You <laughs> asked me a question. That's never happened before. This is a first. Uh, well, I started this podcast because I felt like there was a huge gap in sort of looking after junior doctor well. Being and there wasn't enough support within hospital systems to, you know, look after junior doctors. I myself went through some, I guess traumatic is a word, um, some harrowing incidents when I was um, in intern year and I had seniors who were not very supportive and, you know, eventually I made it through intern year and got into my junior house office a year and whilst that was a pretty busy but still really good time I had a little bit more knowledge and so I was a bit more confident I just felt like there was something missing Mm. and you know I, I actually had to think about this for months I think when the idea like the first inkling of an idea to start this podcast I think that was around February 2018 and it wasn't until August uh, 2018 that I actually launched it and you know it, it actually came to fruition like um, it took a lot of planning it took a lot of talking to other junior doctors and you know realizing yeah this is it and having the confidence to do something different and you know express a different part of yourself rather than just being a doctor yeah it, it, it takes you know it's quite gutsy to I think it's expressing vulnerability that you think you're capable of offering something else just apart from your straight doctor skills. Thanks, Izzy. Yeah, and so I I think it's great. And it's interesting what you said about, you know, traumatic experiences. I look back, you know, I worked on bone marrow transplants as a resident and these patients would come in well, you know. If you're having a bone marrow transplant, you need to eat well. And 20% of them would die from their bone marrow transplant. And, you know, I had patients who I'd got so close to and they had, you know, stage four graphic host disease. Like their faces are literally falling off. And I can still, you know, occasionally go to bed at night and these people's faces will flash in my mind. And especially, you know, 
middle, and they were often middle-aged men and my dad died of cat, you know, lymphoma, so very triggering for me. And I look back, I had no support. I was, you know, I literally had one of the senior registrars tell me, you're getting this upset, you probably need to think about, you know, picking a different specialty. And from wanting to talk to consultants because, you know, I thought there was something wrong with me because I was getting so sad. So, you know, and it's trauma. Like we go through these incredibly traumatic experiences in medicine and it's not really talked about the impact it would have. And, you know, of course it will. So, yeah, I think it's so great that you started the podcast and it's, it's interesting. I can remember when I was a medical student and I used to hear people say, oh, you know, medicine, get out while you can. It's not what's cracked up to be. And I was this little sassy, you know, 22-year-old being like, just because you're miserable in your depressing life, don't try and take it out on medicine being the problem. And I am now that cynical, grumpy person (laughs) to get out while you can. So, yeah, junior doctor wellbeing, you know, we have doctors have higher rates of suicide. And, you know, I've had periods, especially during specialist exams, when I felt like I was letting down my family, I was letting down my friends because they really needed me, but I just had to be constantly studying for these exams. And I was never thinking about suicide actively, but I have times when I'd be like, God, if I was dead, I just wouldn't have any of these problems or things to worry about. And as junior doctors, I think that's actually really quite common to think like that. And I think I took a year locoming last year and I was, you know, the happiest I've been in so long. It was really eye-opening for me because we get into medicine and there's so many stresses and pressures and, you know, I'm trying to get onto a pretty competitive program. You can just feel like you're not good enough. So it's a shame because all of us are so hardworking and so intelligent, but we get into this job that you're never going to be able to do perfectly or if you do do it perfectly, you're sacrificing other aspects of your life, you know, your personal relationships, supporting your family, me sport has been a major thing I was actually quite a competitive runner when I was at uni and I've just never been able to get back to the fitness that I was so you know it's always medicine I feel like it's often made me feel like I'm not enough so so I'm going on a bit of a tangent but I guess I'm just expressing it's really important for junior doctors to realize how common this is and you know I have so many people who are you know doctors or medical students from all across the world message me on my Instagram and say, like, I am so burnt out. Thank you so much. Um, You know, it's nice to know I'm not alone and I'm not the only person that feels like this because there really is such a culture, which, you know, I'm still not into, of thinking it's weak to say that you're struggling. Mm. And I can still be like that, you know, and I think I've always been this person that does so much. I worked waitressing jobs. I played sport all the while through uni. I did volunteer work. So I was a bit of one of those people that's like, oh, Izzy, how do you do so much? And now I almost have this reputation to live up to. And I really need to remember to practice what I preach. And that's, you know, the Instagram is actually quite good because it keeps me accountable. I can't give advice to people. Like I can't tell them to like sleep and don't drink and all this stuff. But I don't to some degree do it to myself. I think the basics is really important. You know, getting enough sleep. Like, God, if you can afford it, buy yourself a good bed. Not drinking too much alcohol. When we're really stressed, it can be really easy to have one drink and then you're like, oh, God, I'm so stressed. I'm just going to finish off a bottle of wine. You know, alcohol is really bad for our mental health. Outsourcing stuff. I get food prep. Like, I get delivered meals. And I did that all through my specialist exams. My self-worth is not dictated by my cooking skills. Mm -hmm. Do not need to add another thing to the list. I also got a house cleaner. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was really great. Exercise, you know, if I don't exercise regularly, I get anxious. And I have a family history of anxiety. You know, I know I'm prone to it. So exercise to me is, you know, pretty much non-negotiable mm-hmm. unless it means I can't get enough sleep. <laughs> and then, you know, learning to check in on your own well-being I think is really important because, you know, we all have mental health and it's normal for it to be like physical health, us to be more or less well. So, you know, checking in on your own mental, my own mental health and thinking, you know, how have you been, Izzy? Have you been on edge? A bit like those, you know, those mental health plans from the GP. Mm. They kind of ask you, like, have you been on edge lately? Like, have you been, you know, this and that? And I kind of do that with myself when I reflect. And I've seen a psychologist on and off, you know, and that's been really beneficial for me as well. And debriefing with your friends and medical and non-medical. Oh, that was really great. Thank you so much, Izzy. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, I, I guess most of the people um, listening to this podcast are probably, you know, junior doctors, interns and residents. And there's some advice that I would love to give myself if I was could go back to being a resident. And I'm PGY7 now. Don't rush into choosing your specialty. Stuff that you might find really academically book interesting, you might not actually find that work-wise that interesting. So, you know, I loved, you know, renal medicine and I did heaps of research into nephrology, published stuff. You know, my fourth year of medical school was a nightmare because all I was doing was research. But the actual clinical work itself, I really didn't enjoy. You know, non-compliant type 2 diabetics was so much of the work. So I think, you know, take time, work in a specialty before you decide you want to do it. Um, also, like, have years off. We're, all, we're racing to get our, you know, our letters and our training done. There's no bloody jobs in most of the specialties at the end of it anyway. You know, so at the end, like, don't rush. Take, you know, take a locum year. Ha- learn who you are apart from medicine because you never know what could happen. And just remember that your self-worth and your sense of being is so much more than your ability to be a doctor. You are, it's one part of your life, but it's not everything. I couldn't agree more with you, Izzy, and I definitely can vouch for a locum year as well. So thank you so much for joining me on Junior Doctors Corner. Thanks so much, Daniel, and thanks for doing the great work you're doing. Thank you. If you really like that episode, please don't forget to leave a review on iTunes to help a sister out. And don't forget to subscribe to our email list so that you never miss an episode.